This is Revelation Response, a podcast where we talk about who God is, what He's done in our lives, and how we can't help but respond in worship. We want these episodes to be an encouragement wherever you are in your faith journey, to pay attention to what God is saying to you, and to consider how you might respond. Now, here's my conversation with John Drews. Hey, well, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Nate Souza, and um, I've got a longtime friend today on the show, John. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell, hey. tell us who you are. So my name's John, and I play guitar at mostly the Brentwood campus, or exclusively the Brentwood campus, mm-hmm. actually. Um, for, let's see, we moved here almost seven years ago, six and a half years ago, mm-hmm. which is seems like a lifetime ago. Right, right after us. Yeah, I helped you move. <laughs> okay, yeah, just That's t- the tell story. the quick version of the story, which I think is pretty fascinating. The quick version of the story is that I was at lunch with a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, I'm helping Nate move across the country. And I said, just the two of you driving two cars? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I was like, have you ever driven across the country? It might be a little bit more difficult than you think. Uh-huh. So then I invited myself onto the trip. Which was the best. It was awesome. To have everybody. Yeah. Um, what was that? Three 12-hour days it was we long. did? Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of driving. 2,000 miles. Yep. From Southern California to Nashville. Um, but, dude, and so you got here and you were thought. I got here and I was like, I remember asking you, like, how much are you paying for rent at this place? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. They're yeah. Just letting us live here. <laughs> they just gave it to right, me. Right. For free. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, so then when I got back, I started looking and. Yeah. Yeah. It's a done deal when you start looking. It's like, okay. Oh, gosh. Especially in 20, 2016 or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, you uh, you did music back in California, and you're doing music at our church now as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what what was your uh, your story with music? What was your, like, your journey through that? Oh, man. Big question. Big question. I mean, <clears throat> so, I started playing piano, actually. Really? And uh, turns out piano is really hard <laughs> for like a nine-year-old kid yeah. to like pay attention to. Because, uh-huh. you know, with piano, it's all music theory first and like reading music. It's all part of it. Right. And so, but my dad played guitar. Okay. So I was like, I don't want to play piano anymore. Yeah. They really tried to get me to like learn it the right way, I guess. And so I was like, just get me a guitar, please. And so we, so I ended up getting a guitar for like my 10th birthday or something. And then I basically just played guitar huh. whenever I was awake yeah. until the end of high school. Yeah. I mean, okay. it was like as much as I could possibly play. How, how did you teach yourself? Was it like listening to albums and like? I actually along? took lessons for okay. like five years or so. Oh, that's cool. And so. Yeah, my first, <laughs> I'll never forget now, my first uh, lesson, my guitar teacher was teaching me, gosh, what is that? That's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song off like one of his old, it's like Dancing with the Dinosaurs or okay. something like yeah, that. Yeah. It was like 90s. Yeah, mm-hmm. 90s Stephen Curtis Chapman. That was my first guitar lesson. Oh, wow. Yeah. He had that ready when you walked in. You're like, no, I asked him. Oh, I was, was like, can request. you teach me this? Yeah. 
<laughs> that's even better. That was like, I don't know if you, when you were teaching guitar lessons, I don't know yeah. if you did that, but like people, I would just bring him things like every week. Oh yeah. And be like, can you teach me this now? Uh-huh. <laughs> the best one of those was I had one kid who was like, bless his heart. He was like into video games Okay. and he, he only wanted to learn theme songs from video games. Oh my gosh. So he was like, there's this one cue on a Minecraft level. I want to <laughs> And I'm like, uh, let's pull it up. Let's learn that for 30 minutes. You're like so. <laughs> questioning life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are we doing? Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Why yeah. don't I? Yeah, that went into my brain and stayed there, apparently. Part of these songs. But, um, okay. So you learn guitar. Uh, <clears throat> did you play at church at all? Yeah. So uh, I played, I actually led worship pretty much until I was a junior in high school. Okay. I was actually like leading worship, like singing every week. Um, Acoustic? No, I played electric. Okay. Rock on the electric, leading worship. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Was it to like your your peers and stuff? Like, Yeah. I mean, I was like in seventh grade, leading worship for seventh and eighth graders. In high school, leading worship for high school. Okay. And like, I was explaining to somebody the other day, like, the, I mean, you worked at Friends in California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was in high school, the high school group there was like 600 Oh, yeah. It was massive. Yeah. And so leading worship there was like kind of a big deal. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't like leading at my church where there was like 12 of us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like we would like. Yeah. So it was like a full band. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like a whole thing. Okay. So then end of high school, what did you start doing? Well, so the end of high school, I actually. uh, (laughs) So I was in a band with some friends. Okay the summer in between my junior and senior year. Okay. And then senior year of high school, I was just like all in on the band. We started working with a producer, but then the producer we were working with was also producing this other band and that other band's guitar player left. And I just casually mentioned to him one day, like they were a lot bigger than we were. They were like playing big shows and stuff. And I just was like, you know, as only like a 17-year-old kid <laughs> right. can do. They were all like in their late 20s, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, hey, if they ever needed someone to you know, fill in, let them know. And he's like, oh, really? I'll call Mike. <laughs> and so I ended up joining that band okay. and leaving high school early to like go on tour. Gotcha. They so like invited me on so the tour. So you just waved goodbye to your first band. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> See you later. They I'm weren't very happy guys. about yeah. it. <laughs> I'm going with these guys. <laughs> Okay, so they had shows lined up and tours. I mean, I guess we're coming anyway, you know, so you hopped on. Yeah, and actually that was the first time I came to Nashville. That was the first uh, show that I ever really played was they were up for like a Dove Award that year. Okay, what was the name of it? The The band? band? Uh Uh-huh. It was East West. Okay. It was like a, remember it was 2002 when like, like hardcore, like rap Rock yeah. music was popular. Okay. If I say Lincoln Park, am I close? Close. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Went on tour, toured with them for like three years. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like, so like, are we ever going to earn money? Like, <laughs> the tale as old as time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And like I said, the other guys in the band were 10 years older than me. Yeah. So it was sort of like looking into the future a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like when I was quitting, our lead singer was like, why do you, why are you quitting? And I was like, I got to be honest with you, man. Like, I don't want to live like you all are living when I'm your age. Yeah. 
<laughs> tough conversation. Like, it was really like probably, yeah. you know, I can see why he wasn't too thrilled about our conversation. But mm-hmm. so then I started working, like my dad got me a job. He worked for a restaurant company at the time. Mm-hmm. So I got a job there, like traveling around doing different things, construction type things. And then eventually I got into tech and okay. now, and then I was a programmer for a long time. Yeah. And so now I'm... That's your day job. That's my day job now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you and I met um, at Friends Church um, in California where I worked. And uh, so you were already playing in the college ministry or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then um, your now wife, uh, Carissa, was singing, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then your sister was singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of met... Um, a bunch of your family <laughs> kind of all at once. Um, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, so tell me about what that was like. What, at the time, what was it like for you to volunteer in a mm. college ministry? Or like, what was, you know, you, you're taking guitar that you used to play on the road in this band and putting it in a church setting. You know? Yeah, it was kind of funny because it's like, you know, I played guitar like every weekend mm-hmm. in junior high and high school. Yeah. And then I played guitar all the t- I mean, full time for my job, right? For a couple years, uh-huh. and then I was like trying to figure my life out a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's kind of when you met me. I yeah. was like transitioning back into not being on the road, not like thinking that music was going to be my full time career forever. Yeah, but like I still wanted to play music, mm-hmm. you know. I think I feel like much more at home, like playing music than mm-hmm. I do just like observing. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I would much rather play than like, you know, I always say this, like I actually worship better when I'm playing guitar. Like it's easier for me to gotcha. kind of get into uh-huh. that zone than when I'm just like in an audience or in a congregation. Okay. So if like you go to a new church, it would be likely that you would say, hey, I play guitar. Totally. <laughs> Want me to play? <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so wh- wh- why do you think that is? Like, um, in terms of, like, on this podcast, we talk a lot about revelation response, obviously, mm-hmm. and when, how God reveals himself through his word or just how he speaks to us or through others or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, we respond. So, like, you're talking about a, a response. Like, mm-hmm. I respond to God through my guitar or through uh, emoting <laughs> through mm-hmm. music. Like, mm-hmm. uh, w- what's special about that to you? Like in terms of music and. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's like music is one of these things where so many, when you're playing music, like mm-hmm. being part of a band, there's like so many things happening all at once. Mm. Right. It's like this yeah. flow that you're in. Uh-huh. Like once the song starts, it's like this train that's moving that you kind of have to be on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which I guess is why they call it a train wreck when things go. <laughs> right? Nailed it's like it. it's moving along and you have to be ready. You have to be prepared. You have to be, you have to know what you're going to play before mm-hmm. you play it. But there's like this also this weird thing that happens when, you know, I've been playing guitar for a long time. Yeah. I don't have to think about how to play an A chord or a C chord. I can just like play those things. And so it kind of lets you, I don't know, it's like this expression where it's like, it's just part of like your, Mm. you know, part of what you're feeling on the inside kind of comes out that Mm -hmm. way, you know? And so maybe it's that I can like 
really be attuned to like what my feelings are Mm -hmm. in those moments, you know? Yeah. Or like a let myself feel pretty emotional a lot of times. Uh I'm probably on, I'm probably more on the verge of actually tears than people realize like when I'm playing. Oh, interesting. Like I, I, cause it really gets, it gets pretty emotional for me a lot Mm -hmm. of times. But so what on the emotion part, like what would be, Okay, this is going to be a weird question. But if you're on stage playing, mm-hmm. worshiping, mm-hmm. and I were to stop you and be like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> you know? Like, how would you... like? I like that question. Does that question make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, um, totally. What, what's causing these tears or these emotions at this moment, you know? Yeah, I think it's like... I think sometimes it takes that experience to like... Um, to really, I mean, because that's kind of the whole purpose of worship, right? The whole purpose of worship is like letting yourself be completely overwhelmed mm. by like who God is, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like I have a much easier time doing that when I'm like part of that, like part of yeah. playing a song, especially like, you know, a powerful one. Yeah, um, It kind of mm-hmm. helps me get into that. It's hard not to be focused on the music when you have an integral part in making it, right? <laughs> As opposed to just listening to it, you can. It's easier to zone out. Like I, if you go to a concert, you go see, you know, Ben Rector or something, mm-hmm. and it's like you can hop on your phone, you can talk to your buddy, or whatever. But like his band is like, yeah, they're well, daddy's working right now, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, like I've I've got to be dialed in, right? You know, so yeah, if you're if you're on stage in a worship setting. um, you're as focused as anyone in the room on the music and on what's being communicated, hopefully, Um, you know? And so for maybe for, I'm speaking more out of my experience of being able to focus so like exclusively on what we're saying, what we're singing. Right. You know, a lot of times for me, it's um, lyrics. Like, you know, in my job, I write down all the lyrics for, you know, the PowerPoint Mm -hmm. and I do Mm -hmm. all the charting and I've I've listened to these songs more than anyone. Mm -hmm. And I will be sitting on or standing on stage playing and singing and noticing a lyric I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. And it's like, whoa, like, and it'll be (laughs) something like, you know, what Jesus did for us on the cross, or Mm -hmm. it'll be the way he loves us or something, you know, a biblical story. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, how could I not in that moment respond, you know? And so, for me, that's, you know, we were talking earlier about music has a way of channeling into an emotional part of us, mm-hmm. which, you know, maybe talk a little bit more about that, what you were saying, like, it doesn't make sense. Well, what's funny about it is, like, when I'm in a congregation, and this is, like, because I'm, you know, I play guitar, I play drums, I play bass, mm-hmm. I sing, I'm very aware of, like, how music is created, I'm very mm-hmm. aware of all of the things that go into it. And a lot of times, I mean, you know, it's probably bad of me to admit, but like <laughs> a lot of times in a congregation, I'm I'm like noticing, a, you know, a fill that a drummer is playing mm. or I'm noticing the vibe that's like being created and I'm pulling it apart yeah. or I'm noticing the, the delay on the keyboards or the guitar player. It's like I'm mm-hmm. actually focused on like, oh, that's a cool sound. Like I get focused on the sounds, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And the performance part of it right. when I'm listening to it mm-hmm. but when i'm creating it or when i'm in part of it mm-hmm. it's like it's a lot easier for me to like you said channel that to kind of just let myself be overwhelmed with the message of the song right right yeah yeah it's funny what you were saying about like hearing a lyric for the first time mm-hmm. because 
I don't know. Obviously, I don't know all of the words to all of the songs <laughs> that are playing right. or that we're playing. Yeah. And um, I, I know most of the choruses, but not most of the verses. Mm-hmm. It's usually in the verses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that second verse says. Right. The court, yeah. But I think what's happening is like, I'm just so, I don't know. I guess I guess a lot of the details of the music, mm-hmm. I, I actually lose when I'm playing. Yeah. I actually feel like I'm focused more on the emotion and the message huh. and the, uh, yeah, I guess the yeah. overall feeling of it all. Yeah. One thing, too, I, I haven't yet talked about on the podcast is, um, for me, w- watching people respond to worship helps mm. me respond in worship. <laughs> you know, so, like, I would, sometimes will say, like, I get, like, the best seat in the house because I'm standing <laughs> up there. And, like, this last Sunday we taught a, a brand new song, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, like, watching people kind of smile when they get the song and like, yes. And they mm-hmm. start singing and they lift their hands. And it's like, it, it's like, they're reminding me how true the song is by the way they're responding to it. Right. And they're like, yes, I want to <laughs> sing this. Let's praise him. Right. And it makes me, of course, let's praise him. And so like, I'm more into it. And so not to say you couldn't get that sitting out in the seats, but there's a, you know, a visceral, uh, play between the band and the people that are out there and the the goal is and it's a little bit different for worship music than it is for any other setting totally it's like we're all in this together like we're we're equals in this scenario we just happen to be holding the instruments right and we started the song but you know but the idea is for us all to make the music together you know i think that is you're you're right it is the best seat in the house for Mm -hmm. sure to be able to see you know people's response yeah i had someone this weekend come up and you know just say thank you for um the songs there i they were saying basically the songs were so intentional that we were singing only things that mattered Mm. you know um for the message and you know we just started the john series and Mm. um wanting to put people's attention already on jesus and on Mm. how he lived and all that stuff. And not every song does that. And so Mm. trying to choose songs that, um, that work with that. So part of my, it was kind of funny because I was like, I didn't think people would really notice, you know, that like the song choices, especially if they're like 30 minutes before the message, like (laughs) they don't even remember, you know, but his whole comment was like, thank you for doing that. Cause that helped set me up Mm. where I could hear the message differently. And then Mm. after I could respond differently because I had learned God's word and I heard him speak to me. And so, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but like the songs after the message typically have a different response in the room. Mm. You know, like when people have been sitting for 30 or 40 minutes listening to a sermon, mm-hmm. I just feel like the room is like more ready basically to sing or to, you know. And so I just, I've, I've been thinking that over too mm. as we have been planning our services with the revelation response thing in mind. Um, it's really hard to walk into the room at like nine o'clock. <laughs> and be like, I'm ready to worship. Like, you know, right. like I'm so focused on it, you know, Jesus and right. holy things, you know. Yeah. And it's like, who knows where you came from and what you were doing before you got there and all that. Um, and or so, how many different kids you had to drop off. Into, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's and all like, their various yeah. locations. Yeah. There's a lot going on and it's, it is, mm-hmm. it, I, I, yeah, too bad you can't have like a whole sermon <laughs> and then a bunch of worship. Yeah, totally. Right? Because yeah. it's like, and I think that's what's so cool about worship services just in general Mm -hmm. is that you know everyone sort of follows pretty a pretty standard format yeah right but it's because it like it works Mm -hmm. right and there is like you said like this fine line between how much are we planning right you know what i mean but i think it's like i think that's okay i Mm -hmm. think it's okay to like 
keep going with what works, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And to try and maximize that. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah. It's like, that's something I kind of wrestle with a lot is um, like how much a, a modern worship service resembles other things in the culture, <laughs> you know, like a concert mm. or a, a conference, like something that you would do for work, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, starts with a cool music thing and then there's a speaker and then it's got like this, you know, everyone breaks for lunch and then they come back and it's just, it could look like a lot of these other corporate right. events or right. gatherings of any kind or whatever. And, uh, you know, not being there in the first century, <laughs> not knowing how these churches, you know, <laughs> I often just think about or my, let my imagination go there in terms of like what those services must mm. have looked like. And, you know, when they say, you know, singing hymns and spiritual songs and, what did that look like, you know? Right. Um, and what was the experience like for the people that were there? Well, and that gets to like the kind of the, I guess, the ancient nature of music, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like music has existed since before instruments, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Like when we were the instruments. Yeah, like yeah. at one point in time, like people mostly had voices, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's fascinating. Like, why? Why sing? Yeah. Like, what purpose would that have served? Yeah. Right? Like, it serves to worship. Uh-huh. That's the ultimate. You like, mean like it doesn't serve to give us food or like no, shelter? It, yeah. <laughs> like, what What about singing yeah. made, you know, early humans or whatever less mm. likely to, to get eaten by whatever they were getting eaten <laughs> right. by? Right? Yeah. The, the only purpose for singing is community and worship, oh, right? Yeah, that's like, and I and that that's what's crazy to me. Yeah, to think about. Yeah, it's like there's no reason that air pressure waves hitting your eardrum should elicit like an emotional response. Right. There's no scientific reason for. Okay, that. we're breaking this down now. <laughs> this is one thing I like about you, John. Uh, <laughs> things can always be, uh, you know, yeah. distilled down to their smallest parts. Totally. Yeah. So, like. Well, you know, one of the questions you're asking is why does why does music work anyway? Yeah, you know, there's 12 notes and or more if you're you know Eastern music, totally all the in between, <laughs> which I, I don't. So 12 are hard enough for me. Microtonal yes. music is hard to listen to, <laughs> so I'm good with 12. You know, yeah. um, but like, yeah, why are chords beautiful? I've you know I sat there and doing music theory in college, you know, mm-hmm. and I, having never known the difference between a major and a minor chord, and it's just that third dropping down a half right. step. But it's so sad. It's so sad. Yes. Why I, does it I sound was like, that way? Oh my gosh! Listen to the sound of that <laughs> right. minor chord. Right. And then as soon as you go to major, it's like involuntarily, like it just comes out. I'm I'm happy again. Mm-hmm. I'm joyful. Like actual depths of emotional feelings off of one note. Mm-hmm. You know. And so like why? You know. Of course, as Christians, we believe this. God made music. Totally. Like He made these tones be perceived as beautiful or as distressing or right. as um, exciting, you know, and all the emotions we have. Yeah, think about that. Like, what minor chord existed in nature that mm. would elicit, like, it didn't exist. We created that, right? right? Yeah. Well, God created, and that's the thing. It's like, we didn't create it. God created mm-hmm. it. God created the minor chord. Yeah. He created, and it's like, yeah, you're right. I do think about things probably... Uh, <laughs> At a granular, a little too deeply <laughs> sometimes. <of> so good. <laughs> but that's that's really for me. I think that's like, you know, that only serves to actually further my emotional responses to think about yeah. the fact that mm-hmm. it shouldn't work, right? But it totally does. Yeah. 
And that to me proves that, you know, God created us to worship. Mm-hmm. And, you he know, gave us music as a gift to, to do it. Totally. You know, as one way, you know, to yeah. connect with him. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of, like, ambient mm-hmm. <laughs> instrumental music, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that I can worship to just that mm-hmm. also tells me something about how music functions. Because, like, <laughs> I'm of course, I'm a songwriter, big on lyrics, right. big on uh, teaching theology through songs, old hymns. I love it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also love just an instrumental underscore, or I love just background music. Or uh, I guess if you're not a Christian, you would think that those types of music— uh, set a mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they give you an environment uh, of, of uh, tranquility or peace or whatever. You know, go on Spotify and just <laughs> type in right. sleep music or yeah. instrumental music, and it's beautiful music. Um, but when I hear it, I'm pointed heavenward, <laughs> and I'm thinking about, right. you know, oh, man, like what God's done for me, and it just puts me in a space where, uh, why is that? You know, and it's, I don't think it's because we've been trained through mm-hmm. church and all this stuff. I think there's something intrinsic that we hear it, and it's, I mean, we're musicians, so we're sitting here talking about music, but we could be <laughs> talking about fine art, sculptures, paintings. When we see something beautiful, right? we are pointed to the actual creator <clears throat> of beauty, you know, and so, yeah, to uh, and that's why I'm so passionate about using music as a way to get people to respond to God, because that's he's already done it. Mm-hmm. He's already put it out there in nature that this is, like I said before, it's a, it's a gift to us. Totally. And it's it's really, yeah, it is baffling to think about. And, that, and that's why I love music so much, too. A lot of times, you know, the culture of the day has has hijacked a lot of that mm. and, and kind of used it for, for its own purpose. And... Um, it's, you know, you look on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever it is, and man, like the front page of that stuff is actually like just so sad. Mm. It makes it, it really does. It breaks my heart. Like mm-hmm. music, you know, I think that's why it's actually more important now than ever to like have these types of conversations, to write mm-hmm. more music, to yeah. maybe even just just to to continue to analyze why. Why does this music like mm. elicit this emotional response in mm-hmm. us? And to really pay attention to that and the fact that like it points us back toward who God is mm-hmm. and the fact that He's created all of this anyway. Right. You know? So, what are some of your favorite like songs when you, I'm like springing this question on you, but like when you think about songs we do in church or song, even songs from when you were little or whatever? Mm. Um, there's certain songs that come to my mind when I think about like quintessential worship mm. songs to me that help me. And that might be my favorite or, or melody I like, but really I'm asking about like the ones that cut deep for you in terms mm. of like responding to a lyric or a theme or something in a song. Is there something that comes to mind that, um, Oh man, it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> name any state right now, right now. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I know no. that there's 50 of them. Yeah, there's 50 I, just of them. Yeah. I live in one. I just don't <laughs> know. What, um, there's a lot of songs that use the phrase like breaking chains or like my chains are gone. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I think that like there's, there's a lot of them. Right. Maybe too many. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But again, yeah. let's use what works. Right. Totally. I think the visual and there's a, there's a couple of them that I'm thinking of. Yeah. That. That to me has really just—it's—it always gets me. Yeah, um, for sure. 
it always gets me because I think of just how how much time I spent walking around mm, yeah. <laughs> with like feeling so heavy yeah. and, um, you know, and being able to break those, to let, <laughs> to let the Lord break those chains. Right. And um, yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of hymns sometimes okay. yeah. where like, man, some of the lyrics are just yeah. really, really good. Uh-huh. And when you think about the fact that they're written like hundreds of years ago yeah. or like a 200 years ago or whatever, uh-huh really blows my mind and yeah. just how just how right on the theology is yeah um that's cool yeah i mean i think for me like i would say uh jesus paid it all has always been one for me that mm-hmm. i like can like barely hold it together like playing that <laughs> song just talk to aaron about this <laughs> you know he's, he's seen me just drop my guitar on stage and just start <laughs> weeping you know? um but it, yeah i mean that is a song that just cuts right to i think what i need to hear about mm-hmm. god you know of course it's all true and it's all um theology mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and speaking of who god is but when it gets to that concept of like he did everything. Right. I, I did nothing. Right. You know, like all I, I mean, all I do is accept it, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and that puts me right in a place where I can just say, you know, pour out praise to God. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, a lot of times I come in feeling like you were talking about chains and, you know, we can carry the weight of sin or we talked a lot about shame in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and so, things that we just walk around carrying like a ton of bricks, you know? (laughs) So to come into a worship service and have my eyes pointed to Jesus Mm -hmm. and he said, Hey Nate, (laughs) come to me, you know, like, I don't, it's not like he doesn't care about it, but it's, um, I see you for who you actually are. And I still love you a hundred percent, you know, like, it's like when I'm in a position where I'm thinking that way, I cannot help, but worship him you know mm-hmm. and because i think that, that there are certain songs that point to those truths maybe stronger than others for me and someone else might sit here and answer that question completely differently it's like i need to hear about god as my father mm-hmm. when, when i hear about him as a father mm-hmm. that's what i need you know and so i think that's part of the beauty of having I mean, obviously the body of christ but like the different songs that we sing and even as writers like thinking okay what can we talk about that's new or fresh mm-hmm. you know um that will help people you know, it's like, is, is that what Christian or worship songwriting is? It's just giving people language <laughs> to point them back to a response. You well, know, because like, can that be it? I think sometimes, like, the music solidifies the truth mm. for people. Yeah. For me included, right? Mm. I feel the truth of whatever the <laughs> yeah. sermon was uh-huh. and whatever the the message of the song is yeah. i feel like the the music itself like solidifies mm. that truth and and helps you feel it in a way that yeah. you know I think music does communicate more emotionally than spoken word does, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and Clearly. so, and maybe spoken word communicates more intellectually. I mean, these are broad strokes, but, yeah. you know, for someone to explain something for 30 minutes, you know, and to sing a three minute song about something. Right. Those are different experiences, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah it's like, I was thinking about too, like a, like a love story, you know, like telling someone how you fell in love with your wife or like, mm. you know, explain, you know, then we did this and then we did that. And now <laughs> we're married and we blah, blah, blah mm-hmm. versus I wrote a three minute song, you know, about this. And right. It, and it artistically <laughs> sums up, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, look at their whole story. And I just got it off of this little pop song. Right. 
Okay, let's take that same concept and put it towards worship, worship. music and saying, hey, we're trying to sum up all this, you know, like the look how thick the Bible is. We're trying to put that all into a chorus and a verse and a bridge, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, yeah, just helping people to still down, like, okay, this is what we're saying mm-hmm. uh, in the series or whatever it is. So, um, yeah. you know, music does a thing that spoken word could never do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something about, you know, and there's something about also like live music yeah. <laughs> where it's loud and mm-hmm. it's like, you're in it. And it's, it's like, it's a, uh, it's just, it's an, it's like a full experience, yeah. you know? Okay. So there's been a lot of critiques about um, worship music mm. um, being manipulative in this way, right? Where it's mm. like, I just, I just was in the moment. And like, I hear this about other churches and I'm not pointing fingers or naming names, but like churches that would be emotional driven or mm. I go to that church for the music, mm. you know, statements like that. And so maybe talk a little bit about that too, because I, I, you know, I'm obviously in the, in the industry, which is such a weird way of saying that. But I hear stuff like that. I go, okay, yeah, that, that's a bummer. Like, I don't want that to be the only reason you go to a church or mm. um, people that seek out an emotion mm. on a Sunday morning, and they go, oh man, church was so good today, or worship was so good today because I felt X, Y, and Z. Like, what's your mm. what's your take on that, or what's your feeling on that? Um, <clears throat> I've been to churches where you can tell that 90% of what they've invested in mm. is the the music. Mm-hmm. Um I said this I said this to my wife this was years and years ago when we stopped going to one church and started going to a, another church. And we left and I said I said this is why people call this getting fed at church because I feel like I just ate a meal. Mm. Right. It's like the sermon actually, like I had to actually, like I felt like I was digesting it. Right. Uh, (laughs) Like physically. Uh And I think when you go to a place where it's surface level hype. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe like I, we just went to see John Mayer a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Lucky. You were there. (laughs) (laughs) It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was loud. I loved every song that he played. Mm -hmm. Right. I like, I listened to John Mayer a lot. He's like, you know, so good. Right. And the music was so good, but I wasn't on the verge of tears ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I feel like, um, there's, there's something about the, the truth of, and that's what I was saying before. Like, I think actually the sermons and the messages is so much. I think it's like, it's so much more of a part <laughs> mm. of like feeling around. No, not, not feeling like so that, that whole truth solidifying mm. aspect that I was talking yeah. about earlier. I think it's so important because just the same way that like, uh, being on a stage and seeing the people worship in the congregation is like a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. The sermon and the worship also have like a feedback loop. Yeah. And when they reinforce each other and aren't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at odds with each other mm-hmm. or maybe just on two different lo- wavelengths, yeah. right? Like scientifically, here we go. Scientifically, right? <laughs> Told you. If you, ha- <laughs> if you blast an equal and opposite waveform, 
as another one, mm-hmm. they cancel out. You don't hear anything. Yeah. So it silences itself, huh. right? This is how noise-canceling headphones work, huh. right? They hear the sounds that are coming around. They play an opposite waveform. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And so you, the sound goes away. Magic, yeah. right? Oh. And But if you play the same song, this is why, you know, if you've ever, if you have a guitar in your house and you turn up the radio really loud, mm and you listen to something that's playing an E chord, the E chord on your guitar will start vibrating. Okay, the resonance. Right? It, it yeah. just resonates. Or that's why, you know, rooms have resonant frequency. That's why all of a sudden the bass will hit one note that sounds really, really loud. Uh, okay. Right? So, you know, waveforms amplify each other. And so that's kind of the relationship I feel anyway huh. about the worship music and the sermons and the message that's happening is that they can either cancel each other out, and then you kind of leave feeling, yeah, oh, what was that? Like, it was good while it was happening, but now I don't feel huh. anything in particular. Yeah. Where if everything is, like, reinforcing each other, and you have mm. that positive feedback loop, man, that's when you leave feeling totally. like, oh, that was so good. It's, like, greater than the parts. Like it, Yeah. Like, when you say amplify each other. I'm going to steal everything that you just said and pretend like I came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was really helpful, you know. <laughs> and that's what we shoot for when we plan services. We want to have the amplifying effect, right? Not the canceling out effects, you know. For that's, sure, that's really good. There's something else you said I want to highlight too, like to the question of like the person going to a service because they're seeking out like an emotional high mm. or like a whatever. You know, when you circle back to like the music, you said feeling, and then you said no, not feeling. <laughs> solidifying it's like yeah that's the difference just Mm -hmm. in that correction that you made is like uh i don't i think that i don't think that the songs give us more of a feeling i think they actually ground us in the truth Mm -hmm. a good song will Mm -hmm. put us back into truth and say you can trust this Mm -hmm. you know and that's what a lot of those old hymns do people hang on to those hymns for that reason is because it's like every single noun and verb Mm -hmm. was carefully selected Mm -hmm. it's like and this is gonna sound heretical but hopefully you can hear this (laughs) it almost sounds like they're from the bible yeah because of like how true they are and and hundreds of years have of people have sung these hymns Mm -hmm. and they've stuck around Mm -hmm. and so they get like solidified and even like the story of christianity they're like right in there almost as like a like a song canon (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um and so that is quite different than going to you know, uh, because it, I like the music or it made me feel a certain way or it was loud or it was mm-hmm. like a concert. You know, I think that's what makes me sad when I hear that is like, that's easy to do. Like, you know, just giving you an experience through music. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, you can go anywhere to get that. Concerts <laughs> and Spotify. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. shortage of like good music. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the music we are playing in church is really meant to point you to someone else, not to ourselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> not to our band page or our Spotify. It's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's meant, it's, and then it stands alone. I talk about that a lot. It's you guys just, aren't selling CDs in the back, <laughs> right. right? It's yeah. like, yeah. And it's such a weird thing because everyone else experiences music more in a commercial s- setting. Mm. And we're not doing that, you know, like it's really meant for one purpose and to point back to, to Jesus. I mean, it's just like the sermons are crafted just to let you learn more about God so you you can follow him more closely, you be more like him, worship mm-hmm. him. It's, you know, not meant to sell you something or to convince right. you to buy, you know, a product or how something works. It's, you know, mm-hmm. church is a funny place, you know. It's it looks <laughs> like other things, but it's it stands alone. You know? It really it really does. 
Okay, so like on the revelation response thing, um, I think a lot of these stories that I've been hearing from people can kind of be summed up in something they've learned or something true about God. We talked a little bit about the chain breaker thing. Mm -hmm. So I wonder for you, like, you know, you've been in Nashville for seven years, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there something that comes to mind in terms of like what what God's revealed about himself in those seven years or just like looking at (laughs) recent history when you think about who God is and what he's done? Mm -hmm. How's that been for you? I guess we were just talking about, it's like several years ago now, Mm. you invited me to a Bible study called Wholehearted (laughs) Discipleship. (laughs) I got a text from you that day. You're like, hey, you want to join a Bible study? We're going to meet on Wednesday mornings. I was like, sure. Sounds great. Like, I didn't look into it. I didn't ask anything else about it. We're hanging out on Wednesdays. Yeah, (laughs) sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got the schedule. I'm like, oh, this is a nine-month-long, two different, like, Saturday weekend retreats. I was like, this is a... Big commitment. Uh-huh. Would you call it an intensive? <laughs> I didn't know what I was signing up for. I just trust you so much yeah. that I was like, yeah, whatever you want. I yeah. Mean, um, that whole study, like, legit changed my life. Mm. And I still believe 100% that God moved. God put it on my heart to move to Tennessee mm-hmm. so that I could be in that Bible study. Wow. Yeah. Like, I still 100% believe that. Mm. And the way I explain it is the original language of the Bible had no word for brain. Mm. In the Bible, heart encompasses everything about who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Everything you think, everything you feel, everything you ultimately desire, but of course, everything that you ultimately choose to do. And so there's all of this stuff that you can unwrap because of that. But the ability for me to dissect what a, what it is that I'm believing and have a pathway to, to, to see how it connects to choices that I ultimately make, mm. man, has been just absolutely a revelation. Yeah, totally. But I think the, the biggest piece of that, and there's, you know, that's a whole thing, but I think the one of the biggest details, or not biggest, one of the smallest details from that whole study was this idea that you need to bring Jesus into hmm. those, like when you're struggling with something mm-hmm. or when you've given up struggling with something <laughs> <laughs> and you are participating in something. Mm-hmm. That that's when you need Jesus the most, mm. but also that that's when he's like r- there for you yeah. the most. Yeah. And I think that in our shame, we never think to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it is like we're hiding in a corner. Right. And the last person we want to see is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Where we are. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and like, I remember, you know, it's like, would you do that if Jesus was standing next to you? Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah. like, we always put this, uh, or like the whole, what would Jesus do thing? Yeah. Right. We always put this, like, uh, this idea that like, you need to clean yourself up to present yourself to mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And that is not, what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. That's not how we are created. Yeah. And so that's that's been 
the most life-changing <laughs> set of information yeah. <laughs> that I've ever received. Yeah. It changed who I who I am really. Right. Um and how I relate to God. I mean, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's a fundamental shift in how you think about struggles or, <laughs> you know, um just the I I was thinking the revelation there sounds like God wants to be with you at all times, even, yeah. even the times that you think he doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he, he actually, he wants to go right where you are. Right. Come on over where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, I mean, it's maybe an obvious question, but, you know, so God reveals that mm-hmm. to you. What was your response? Like, how do you, mm-hmm. what do you do after realizing that about who God is? I think that my response is that I'm, I want to be, I desperately want to be still just hungry for that next batch of revelation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's I think my response is like oh, I need more. Mm. I want more of yeah. that, uh-huh. right? In one of the um Bible studies or one of the conferences part there was like an older man, mm-hmm. you know, and it dawned on me that like I'll, I'll never get to some point where this is easy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right? He's here. He's here. <laughs> and I'm here. He's had a lot of time to figure this out. Yeah. And he still wants more. Yeah. Right? Totally. <laughs> and so, and I think maybe to be not burdened by that, but actually to be excited for it. Mm-hmm. That's what sanctification is, mm. right? Is that you're still hungry for more of Jesus. Yeah. I think when we're growing up, we're taught it's more about your behavior, you know, and more about acting the right way and looking like a Christian. Mm -hmm. That's of utmost importance. What that doesn't help with (laughs) is when you don't look like Jesus or when you're caught in a sin cycle or a shame, you know, talked about that shame cycle of feeling I can, you know, I can do it on my own. I can be better, you know. Um, it, it never gets to the point of um, wanting more of Jesus. It mm. like truncates that part of the process mm. because it really just goes back to me again. Mm-hmm. Like if I can get better, oh, I didn't do it. If I, well, maybe I'll try harder. Mm-hmm. It, it none of that's about Jesus. <laughs> it's just about me. Like I either didn't do good or I did do good, and right. then I, oh, I stopped doing good again. Right. And so I loved about what you said was like. You know, and I remember that, like, remember that, like, uh, circle? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish this was a video podcast because I'm making a circle <laughs> with my finger. But there was a way out of the cycle, right. you know, um, which was, like, reaching out to God, really, and just, like, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think vulnerability and um, intimacy go hand in hand. And you're saying, yeah, hey, this is right where I would run away from you. But will you please come sit with me, Jesus? Will you right. come right into my sin and let me have intimacy with you at this moment. Yeah. And then that has a way of making you want more and more of that. Right. You know, not the other thing, because that that will never result in, like, growth or, you mm-hmm. know, think about relationships. You know, as, the, as they mature through a marriage or through parenting or whatever, you want that intimacy to grow deeper and deeper, mm-hmm. you know. So by the time you, you've been married for 40 years, it's like, yeah, like, this was never stalled out or stopped. I mean, mm-hmm. it kept growing the whole time. So mm-hmm. I want to be that way with Jesus too, you know? And I think that first and foremost, you have to understand how that, um, how that vulnerability works with God. Mm-hmm. 
before you can ever start to figure out how that vulnerability works with other people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because ultimately, we want to have that security. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we want to have that, um, that sense that we're not going to be abandoned. Yeah. And then that gives you the courage to talk to, to have that conversation with your wife mm-hmm. or yeah. with your husband totally. or with your best friend or yeah. whatever it is uh-huh. with your parents. Yeah, it spills out over into your other. And then when you <laughs> think, but you know, thank goodness, uh, when you receive that grace mm-hmm. and, you know, in return, it's like, it's it really is life changing. Totally. Well, awesome, man. Thanks for uh, taking time to come on the podcast today Anytime. and talk through these things. And <laughs> yeah, it's always a good time. <laughs> always. Thanks. All right. We'll see you on the next episode. Revelation Response is produced by Fellowship Bible Church and Fellowship Songs. You can check us out online at fellowshipbiblechurch.org or by searching Fellowship Songs wherever you stream your music. Also, please leave us a like and give us a follow to hear more episodes like this. Thanks for listening.